that is when uh, you go out there and really love people. It's only when you love self that you can go and, 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 and love other people and be of service to other people because you know, that is when you are really embodying who you should be. It's when you live and speak your truth. I think that's the most important thing, is just to remember that we're humans and we're the same, we have the same needs, the same desires, and whichever way we choose to explain that and whatever words we want to use at the foundation and the core of that, we're the same, you know, we all want to be connected with God, we can call it nature, we can call it spirituality, we can call it whatever, but there is a desire for connection. Hello everyone and welcome to the second edition of the Grassy Hopper podcast. The second episode is going to feature a lovely conversation with a very good friend of mine, Maria Faruja. Just to remind you, this Grassy Hopper podcast is a whole series of inspirational conversations with people who I find inspiring and who are living the values which we really hold dear at the Grassy Hopper. So I hope these conversations will be food for thought and if you have any comments or questions or suggestions for more people to have these conversations with, we'd love to hear from you. Maria is uh, Maltese (laughs) (laughs) and she was living in Malta studying marketing and also studied a little bit in London before she decided to move her life halfway across the world to Bali. And she's had a really inspirational journey, which has led her to founding her own business in Bali, which is called the Kul Kul Farm, which I know a lot of people in Malta follow and are inspired by. So it's going to be really good to get into the nitty gritty behind the story and and everything that took you there. Mm -hmm. Mar, it's kind of been a theme of this podcast so far, one episode one and two, of people who have just radically decided to live a very different kind of life from living and studying here to saying, okay, I want this crazy adventure and, <laughs> and following some mad idea. Um, so maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your decision to, to move yeah. all the way to Bali. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So like you mentioned, I was studying, I wanted to study marketing and I started at the University of Malta doing communications because it was the closest thing we had to marketing here. Um, and after doing a year of that, I decided it's not really for me. Um, it wasn't really anything close to what I thought marketing was. Um, and so I, start, I studied in London um, and I did a marketing degree. And what I was really interested in marketing was consumer behavior um, and how to influence people. But obviously I was interested in doing that in a positive way. You know, what influences people, what inspires them? Um, so I was a lot. I was interested in consumer psychology more than marketing. Um, so the colors that influenced people, the music that influenced people to change their habits. Um, in fact, my thesis ended up being on changing people's attitudes and habits, um, using music and color and sound and words. That's what I was inspired by. But unfortunately, my degree, um, it turned out, was very focused on fast-moving consumer goods. Um, so how promoting things like toothpaste and washing up liquid and just things that really didn't inspire me. Um, but I, I still knew that I was actually I was interested in that side of marketing and I knew that there must be a space out there that would allow me to practice that kind of marketing more. So I got into events, um, I, I became interested in events and I took a module on marketing for events um, and it was more in line with the marketing that I was interested in. And then a friend of ours, a friend of mine, sent me a TED talk um, about the Green School. Um, It's called My Green School Dream. And I watched this TED talk and I was just so emotional. Um, uh, And it's a talk about a sustainable school in Bali. It's a nature-based school. It's built out of bamboo, beautiful bamboo buildings. Um, And the way of education is is different. So even though the, the students there learn very similar subjects to what we learn here in Malta, 
Um, but the way they teach is very different. So they spend a lot of time outside and they focus on the whole child. So not just like intellectual capacity, but physical capacity and spiritual capacity also. Um, and I was extremely inspired by this place and I wanted to find a way to get myself there. Um, and the, the green school is in Bali. And so I, I began a, a long pursuit of getting myself to the school. And because I had been studying marketing for the past three years and graduated, um, and in my last year, I got interested in sustainability. So my, my thesis was about changing people's ideas and attitudes about adopting solar energy within the it ended up being very focused on solar energy but I was interested in sustainability um, and so because I had been studying marketing I you know said I'm gonna apply for some kind of a marketing role and the good thing about marketing is that whatever job you do whatever you do whatever business you always need to promote it you know so I knew that even a school would need some kind of promotion and marketing and they did actually have a marketing role that you know, that existed, um, somebody ha was in this position already. So I started applying for internships and um, didn't really get a reply. Um, uh, and I, after I graduated, I came back to Malta and anyway, I ended up meeting somebody um, uh, who had been volunteering at the, sc at the school and she put me in touch with the right people and anyway, after like two years of trying to get this internship, I finally um, was put through to Oren, who's now my partner, fiancé. Um, uh, and he is in charge of the gardens at the school and said, yes, come, I could use with some marketing help. Um, uh, and I ended up with this internship at the school, which was incredible. Um, uh, I arrived at the school and went on a tour and it's just a magical, a magical place, you know, of kids like playing in the dirt and running around and it's just, I, I was so emotional walking around the school because I just thought, you know, this is the kind of school that I would have loved and I need, and every child needs, you know, an education like this where they get to play and, um, uh, and aren't sitting down at desks all day, every day, you know. Well, maybe before you carry yes. on, just like... Um, go back a second because I find it really interesting that you spent like two years kind mm -hmm. of really <laughs> directing your attention to it's like you really felt this call uh -huh. you were like this place is for me this is were yeah. you doing that with other jobs is it was it literally yeah. just this one like no, you really it was, knew it was for you uh-huh it was it was just this one um, and so I wanted to the thing about Malta is that it's a it's an amazing place and we're very tribal here we have a lot of comfort it's very comfortable you know we can just walk down the road maybe now not so much anymore but growing up you could just walk down the road and knock on someone's door and someone will feed you you know you'll know it's very comfortable but what happens in that comfort is it's, it becomes a bit stifling and you don't really need to do much to survive we're very comfortable we don't need to like fight for our survival there isn't that sense of competition like there is but not as much as other places um, but that creates this need, I think, for for people our age, and or you, if you're turning eighteen, to kind of seek more. You, the, we need that challenge. We're, we're kind of missing that that challenge and that looking for something greater, you know. Um, so I started to seek that elsewhere. I wanted to go traveling. Um, uh, but when I found out about the green school, I just, I don't know, I became a bit obsessed. I saw it, this like amazing, and I think it happens to a lot of people who <laughs> come to Bali and are seeking to be a part of the school in some way, because just the values that it upholds to is just something so magical, you know. Um, uh, it's also a very creative place. And yeah, I, I don't really know why. Like, looking back, uh, I don't really know why I was so fixated, you know, on the school. But I just had this feeling about it. It wasn't a very conscious decision. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I, I just wanted to be there and saw myself there. Um, I didn't know anything about Bali. I didn't know where Bali was. I had literally <laughs> no idea about the culture. I thought it was some Caribbean, like, tropical place. Um, uh, but this, I just had this strange feeling about it that that's where I wanted to be and I just focused my attention on that and did all sorts of things to get myself there from creating vision boards and 
emailing multiple times, <laughs> dreaming about it. And... But obviously, sort of some values of the school really you resonated with them already at that point. Yes. Was there some kind of shift, like in your philosophy and in the way that you were thinking prior to that, that made you obviously like when people start kind of going more into thinking about life from a more sustainable perspective and were you already kind of maybe looking at life a bit differently and trying to reflect yes. more consciously on, yes. on life? Definitely. Um, uh, when I yeah, when I was studying in London I, I got into yoga actually with your sister. I met your sister in London and we spent a whole night talking about Eckhart Tolle and a bunch of spiritual books and a different way of living and I started going to yoga and I started doing meditation um, uh, and then I was spending my summers in Malta involved with Why Not um, and so spending more time camping and outdoors. Um, uh, we, I head to the first eco-gathering that was to raise money for Pepe's farm, um, the permaculture farm in Malta and uh, in return, Pepe had given everybody organizing the course an introduction to permaculture course. So that was my first kind of insight into that. And walking into Pepe's farm, I had it was one of those shift moments for me because I, I hadn't spent much time in nature. I mean, growing up, I did. We went camping a lot and on picnics. But we, I wasn't, you know, constantly out in nature. But I had, I, I enjoyed it, you know, enjoyed going camping. But walking onto Peppy's farm, I had this, I don't know, realization, and this, this question kept coming up in my head. First of all, the place, his farm, feels like the whole world should feel like this. Everything just feels so natural and beautiful, and everything's working in harmony. There's the animals, there was the gardens, and even though. Um, uh, it was very different to the farms I imagined, you know, because it were, it's very wild looking and that's how a permaculture farm looks. It looks more like the wild and um, it doesn't look like these perfect rows and everything's separated. Everything's just one community, you know. And I had the, this feeling of like this feels right, you know, there's something about this place that feels right. And that was one of those sh shift moments. and. One of those moments that I said, you know, I want to be around this more and I want to learn more about this. You know, what is this? This feels more natural. It almost feels like it's kind of when you go when you go camping, there's a familiarity to that feeling almost like we used to live like this in our in, in the past, you know, like this is how we used to live. This feels more natural. And that's how the farm felt. Peppy's farm felt like to me. And I wanted to. I was attracted to doing more of that. Um, uh, and after that, doing that introduction to permaculture, I started to do more research into permaculture on my own. I hadn't done much studying apart from that short workshop. Um, and so that also led me to green school because, I mean, green school is a nature school and um, uh, the gardens are upholding to permaculture principles as well. So yeah, it was I was slowly being led down that path, you know, and even I was doing some work with Why Not and um, uh, very focused on, I mean, yoga and meditation and growing food, sustainable buildings, which are all very similar values to, to the Green School. Did you, I just want to ask you this question because I think it's something very important for, for people here living in Malta. Did you find it hard to start changing the way you saw the world? Because we mentioned in the first episode with Dave how in Malta sometimes it's very difficult to change your mind about things because your friends mm -hmm. and your family know you one way with one outlook on life. And mm -hmm. it can be like very threatening for the people that you love when you start questioning, mm -hmm. should I be living like this? Should I be eating like this? Should I be... Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have maybe any thoughts on yeah. kind of that challenge. Um... Uh... I was always, I think I was always a very reflective person um, and a bit different in, in that sense because I was very reflective and, and somewhat quite spiritual as well. Um, uh, and always a bit, a bit I guess, a bit weird <laughs> in that way, you know, where it wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that difficult for me to change my, my mindset. Um, uh, it's difficult to actually and then implement, you know, it's more difficult. In, in Malta it's very hard, but I wasn't living here. 
Um, but then even moving to Bali and starting a farm later on to actually uphold these principles I really believe in is is challenging. You know, that I think that's where the challenge comes in for me is actually doing it, you know, um, when it's much easier to go and just buy something from the shop, but actually using what you're growing. Um, I think that's that was more challenging for me than shifting the mindset because it almost came naturally as soon as I, I felt this desire um, uh, and had these thoughts of, wow, this is, this is how things are supposed to be, this feels right. It felt like a natural thing for me, a natural progression, you know. It wasn't... It so wasn't then the challenge actually came in kind of bridging... Actually implementing yeah. and actually living all these things that I was feeling. That's where the challenge, I think, came for me, for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people who are trying to live, you know, a, a less impactful life, a more sustainable and healthy life, mm-hmm. all, all feel that. I mean, I feel like that myself, like it's a constant challenge and mm-hmm. life's kind of always putting you in this situation where it would be much easier to not uphold your values. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, it, it takes, you know, every time you kind of have to dig very deep within your own heart and in your own belief in these principles kind of life is, is, is always asking you like how much do you really believe in this stuff like so I find that really interesting to like obviously it plays out in every person in a different way but yeah um, I think also in terms of dealing with mindsets in the beginning like I, I remember like I had this shift in thinking, you know, and almost instantly wanted the people around me to also see things the same way and it brings up a lot of anger and frustration, you know. Um, uh, but eventually I've learned that you have to kind of accept and meet people where they are, you know, and I've also learned a lot. Um, uh, they were kind of drastic things that I, like, thought might have been better for me, you know, like, for example, eating everything raw, you know, and going raw or... And then realizing later on that actually maybe if I want to like live a more sustainable life, going raw isn't exactly the way to go, you know. There's like there's steps to get there and and it's uh uh-huh, it's it's a journey and you need to kind of accept where people are around you and I think that's more important than drastically deciding that everybody needs to be this way, you know. For sure. <laughs> I definitely had my angry period and a lot of um, debates. <laughs> but yeah, you do kind of just... I guess when you, you find these new values and they make you feel so good, you want to share that with the people around yeah, you. But sure. what makes other people feel good is not necessarily the things that make you feel good. And yeah. I guess that's a maturing now that we're getting closer to our 30s than our 20s. Mm-hmm. Me, definitely. And I think it's almost like when... I feel like it's a gift, you know. I feel like I've been given a gift of being more aware um, and having this desire to want to eat food that is going to make me healthier and is also good for the land and is also good for communities. I feel like it's a gift that I've been given that awareness and this opportunity to practice this. And with that also comes a responsibility to learn how to communicate that to other people in a way that they can receive it. You know, and it's not just telling people, but it's also understanding where other people are and understanding other people's situations, you know. there's it's And it's it's a constant journey. I still le- haven't learned, you know. I still meet people with frustration and with anger, you know. I still I still do that. But it, it takes a lot of skill and it's a... And it's a fun, it's an interesting challenge to learn how to tactfully communicate your values in a way that people can receive them, you know. It's a, it's a constant thing and it's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's going to be a constant, <laughs> it's a constant journey, but it's, it's a good one, you know. Yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe we can fast forward a bit now to like yeah. your actual time in Bali and the setting up of the Kulkul farm because you know obviously we have a lot in common in the sense that we've both started businesses which mm-hmm. have these principles at the heart of them which are you know we want to we want business to kind of be a servant for the planet and heal the damage that has done to the planet and, and offer solutions to you know the environmental crisis but also the, the health crisis and Maybe even the crisis, I, I like to also add the kind of mental and emotional crisis because mm-hmm. so many of us are living in a time of high anxiety, high stress, record levels of depression and suicide. So I think like environmentally, but also mm-hmm. we can call it emotionally and spiritually, that, that crisis. And obviously it's a big challenge. I mean, starting yes. a business is a challenge mm-hmm. full stop. 
trying to do it with these kind of principles um, is, is even harder. And well, it's been really great for me to catch up with you and, and you know, share our struggles and our joys and, mm -hmm. and all of that. So let's maybe go into a bit of that. Yeah. Um, do you want to maybe start on like your actual decision to farm yes. the farm with, with RN? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I got to green school and I was interning for a while and then I got offered a job in a marketing role um, and I was doing that uh, actually with the Green Camp which is a for-profit business that's attached to the school that offers other kids a green school experience and I was doing that for a year and a half but then I was I was literally just at my desk you know for a year and a half and I was promoting this camp and I wasn't living all these amazing things that I was communicating. And the thing is, I loved communicating, like, come to the green school, this is what it's all about. And I, it was incredible to see these students come from Singapore and have these shifts, you know, in a week being at the camp from arriving and being scared of, like, a, a grasshopper or a spider to, like, completely transforming by the end of the camp. And it was beautiful to be a part of that, but I was at my desk 24-7, seven days a week, and after doing that for a year and a half... I was feeling so out of integrity. I was like, I need to actually live what I am telling other people to live. Um, and so I stopped working at the camp. Um, uh, and then Aaron and I decided that we want to, to create a space where we could bring people um, to transform them in some sort of way. So the farm, I mean, we're both passionate about growing food. Aaron has been designing gardens for private homes and a hotel and... Um, and so he's super passionate about agriculture, um, and so am I. I wanted I, but I didn't have much experience. So I loved the idea of having a farm and having my own business and growing food, uh, but it was all new to me. But what I was really interested in was creating a space to transform people in some way. And whether we do that through teaching people how to grow food or teaching people how to cook healthy food. Um, or to build bamboo buildings or natural buildings, you know, what I was really interested in was the transformation that people go through to take them out of the environment they're in and put them in something completely different um, that will inspire and, like, shake something within them. Um, so that was the idea of the farm. Um, and, yes, starting a business is... <laughs> terrifying um and sometimes I feel like although I haven't had kids yet but I feel like it's kind of like having kids you know it's really super fulfilling and incredible and amazing but it's the hardest thing that you will ever have to do um uh, for me I think the hardest thing is and, and I spoke to you a bit about this before is I had I created a dream, you know, about I, I was pursuing the green school and I created a dream. And a lot of people do this, you know, we create these fascinations in our mind about something that we're going to pursue and it's going to bring us happiness. And for me, it was going to the green school and being part of this amazing place. But then I got there, you know, but I still had all these struggles. You know, I still had all this suffering and pain and I was still unhappy because the reality is that whatever personal issues we're, we're going through and we're dealing with, we take them with us wherever we go. Um, and just because I reached this place, it was my goal. And it was incredible and it's been amazing. But all my, all my suffering still came along with me and I think amplified, you know, whilst I was there because you don't, I didn't have my community. And like I said before in Malta, we're, it's very easy to just run away from problems because we have so much so much love and support around us. We have family, we're surrounded by so many people all the time, you know, there's a lot of distraction. Um, whereas there, starting a business becomes a very kind of solitary thing, you know, you're like in the zone, you're creating a plan, you're extremely busy trying to create something. Um, uh, and so you're faced with a lot of challenges. And for me, it was not having my tribe, you know. In Malta, we're a very tribal society. Um, uh, and so not having that tribe around and being being faced with myself. And really, that was the issue. That was This is something I've learned this year, that actually the suffering I was feeling and I was associating it with missing home and being homesick. And I wanted to go home and maybe Bali isn't for me. And I want to go, but really it was just me running away from myself, running away from dealing with these issues that were coming up for me, you know. 
um, uh, of not being good enough, fear of failing, and all the issues that come up when you're doing something different and you're really challenging yourself. It's it's really hard, although it's fulfilling and it's amazing. And people from the outside see as, oh my God, it's so incredible. But really, it, all the issues that everybody faces with, um, uh, with regards to finance and being accepted and failing and all of this are, it's the same there, you know. Um, uh, these things don't go away, you know, when you reach, <laughs> when you reach that thing that yeah. you think is going to bring you like all this joy. And, but really it's not about, it's not about that. I it's guess we're, we're very good, like, you know, in this kind of social media, media era, of just like kind of seeing perfection and, and pursuing it and thinking that that's going to make us happy. But I mean, I think what you said is just spot on, you know, I, I really to, totally believe in that myself. That's actually it's in transforming, the real permaculture is actually inside, yes. it's us transforming these challenges and I guess it's a bit like compost, you know, like in <laughs> permaculture you're composting all of this garbage and waste, mm-hmm. you know, and turning it into this fertile soil and yeah. if you're not doing that within yourself, then you're never going to be the kind of person that can sustain a mm-hmm. business and, you know, we're coming up, we've just passed three years, grassy hopper. And it's been such a challenge for me personally within myself, you know, emotional mm-hmm. self. And I think it's so great to kind of have these conversations publicly because everyone struggles with yeah. not feeling good enough or comparing themselves with others, yeah. feeling like they're going to fail, scared of the humiliation of failure. And this is, uh-huh. it's something that in, in the sustainability world, I almost feel like it's the elephant in the room that nobody's talking about. And that's why I love permaculture so much, because it's not only about growing food and agriculture. It's about life. It's about people. It's about connection. It's about it's about failing. And it's, it's about community and building trust. And that's what's so amazing about... this. That's what I love about our courses. It's that it's creating a community of people. And what, what I really love, what really lights me up with in terms of what we do at the farm is those evenings where we gather around the fire or the circles and we have sharing circles. How do you feel? What transformation did you go to today? What did you learn that you didn't know yesterday? It's just having, creating a space where you can just feel safe to be honest and talk about things that you're feeling, things that you learned. And we've kind of lost that in the modern world. There isn't this safety we don't in our workplaces there isn't a safety to just speak about how we feel and what we're going through and having that support like to me that's the real support you know having people around you where you can actually be open and if you're not feeling good you're you're not feeling good and it's okay and you can talk about that and that's what I really love about what we do is providing those spaces for people and I think that's what people love most about our our courses is that it's not just teaching teaching them things in the physical world and skills which are amazing and they're incredible but really what we're offering is opportunity for people to change their minds about something you know so change their minds for the better about something that's what I'm really looking for I want people to leave our course feeling like in some way they've transformed in some way they see things differently in some way they're going to go and do something better in their lives you know it could be a small thing or a big thing you know it doesn't really matter just as long as it's something that's gonna you know yeah change for the better that's what I'm really yeah. in. I think it's such a fulfilling thing I mean I see the same thing with with the grassy hopper I mean, I'm trying to do the same thing you know of, of trying to create a work environment where people come and they're not just working for a paycheck but they're actually transforming themselves so when there's a conflict, we try and understand ourselves through that conflict and, and come to greater levels of connection to self and others, which is a super challenging uh, thing mm-hmm. to bring into a workplace. But for me, that's what really fulfills me. When I see people you know, changing their lives, getting happier, getting more real with themselves and, and others, that's when I'm like, oh, God, I'm so glad I started a business. It's not like, <laughs> great, we sold X amount of burgers today or we had like the highest sales day. Like yeah. Those are great only because they allow me to keep creating this structure, which is mm-hmm. just a new way of relating to ourselves and each other in the world. I think it's such a beautiful thing. I don't know if there are maybe any sort of challenges specifically to creating this that you faced that mm-hmm. maybe you'd like to share. Um, uh, I think one of the 
one of the biggest challenges for the for us on the farm is related to just a culture difference. I mean, the the culture in Bali is very different, um, uh, and so to create an open an openness is very different. Like we're much more open here in the West. You know, we speak our minds very easily, whereas in Bali, it's not. You wouldn't approach it in the same way. So the challenge has been like, how do we approach? Um, uh, opening people up, you know, in a safe space that's that's comfortable for them and their culture. You know, we wouldn't necessarily sit in a circle and speak about our feelings with the Balinese. That's not, you know, that's not how they they do it. Um, uh, we have we've realized that, for example, with our courses, we've wanted to obviously communicate the values that we're teaching to to people related to permaculture and growing food and living sustainably. We've wanted to communicate that, obviously, to our staff as well, um, and, to, and to Indonesians and Balinese. And the way we started doing that originally was offering scholarships um, and having the Balinese come to, able to come to our courses for free and learn the same things that we're teaching um, uh, our other students that, who are mainly coming from different parts of the world, from America, Australia, Canada. Um, from Western countries. But then like we realized that actually a lot of transformation was happening within our team just simply by the fact of having people from different parts of the world come and learn things that the Balinese don't see as, as things that they should be learning. I'll go back a few steps to explain this better. So farming in Bali isn't seen as something that one should be proud of doing. There isn't much pride in farming. Agriculture is kind of the lowest of the low job, you know. But then all of a sudden we're holding these courses and we're teaching things that the Balinese have been doing forever and people are paying good money. People from the West that the Balinese look up to um, and kind of look forward to are coming to learn farming, a job that they're trying to run away from, you know, a job that they don't see much pride in. And all of a sudden, that starts to shift their perspective of growing food and of agriculture. And that's had a big impact on, on our farm and on the culture of the, of the farm. Um, it's worked much more effectively than actually trying to bring them in as students. The Balinese don't want to be students. They're, they work. You know, that's what they do. They can't really sit down in a classroom and listen to someone talking to them and or teach them about farming because they've been doing it forever, you know, they, that's what they do. But then them actually just witnessing people from the West coming and learning agriculture, you know, starts to shift their perspective. They start to ask questions and why. And all of a sudden it's something that's to be something that they should be proud of, you know. Um, uh, so that, that's been a big lesson for us, you know, where we taught... Uh, okay, let's bring in the Balinese as students and teach them the way we know how to teach, you know, but actually just them being there um, uh, and seeing people come and learn has had a much greater impact on the culture of, of the farm. Um, and then also not having fear and having faith that people actually really do want to learn. Um, uh, a case in point is that we really wanted to start doing yoga on the farm and, you know, initially I didn't really think that, like, our staff, especially our gardeners, you know, are going to want to, farmers are going to want to do yoga, you know. And then one day we're just like, let's just do it, you know, let's just do it. Let's just have a yoga class and invite everybody. And we we have around 12 staff. Um, uh, and we said, okay, we're going to have yoga next week. It's on this day and it's open and you don't have to come, but you can. You're all welcome. Every single person showed up. And that was a huge, like, oh, my God, you know, like I I had such a different idea. I, I thought that nobody would show up, you know, I thought maybe one or two people, you know, and that's like, wow, we just have a little bit more, need to have a little bit more faith, you know. Um, and actually, maybe the sharing circle could work, you know, and maybe it's just my, my you know, I don't know, perception that they're yeah. not going to actually <laughs> receive that, but maybe they would, you know, yeah. who knows. I mean, this is an issue I face often as well. And I, I don't know if maybe you have any sort of practices or anything that kind of, 
like obviously as an entrepreneur your faith wavers and sometimes mm-hmm. you think like oh god like I, I have this vision I'd really love to kind of see this happen but like are the people that I need to kind of co-create this with me and be on board to actually make it happen are they gonna mm-hmm. are they gonna support this and are they gonna care as much as I do mm-hmm. um you know me I, I have you know certain things that I do when I'm feeling like you know, I'm like, really honestly, like, am I, what am I trying to do? <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody wants to do this. Like, what am I doing? And I have practice. I go surfing. I meditate. I do yoga. I, I talk uh-huh. to people like you who are, you know, sharing similar struggles. I know if there's something you do. Like, obviously, you have Oren as well, which kind of helps yes. because you have that kind of support. I have my sister we're as well. Feeling, <laughs> often we're feeling uninspired together. Yeah, it just <laughs> That's happens. the worst. <laughs> um, uh, I think two things. One is definitely meditation and prayer. Um, I think that's a big one for me. Um, And the second thing is I've started to just, not just constantly want to gratify my own feelings, you know, like I've kind of accepted that I I don't need to always feel good. It's been, this has been a big learning for me since I start, since we started the business it's okay to like not feel good and feel uninspired. It's kind of part of the journey. And also I've started to shift my perception of it in that it's, what we're doing is more of a service. I've, I've kind of accepted and I, I know it's, it's an amazing gift what's been given to me. I have this land, I have a farm, I have a business. There's all these connections. There's constantly opportunity being given to me, you know, and it's a huge gift and I see it as a big gift. And so when I'm uninspired and feeling like maybe I shouldn't do any of it, I just think of, all, first of all, all the people that are involved in, in working with us and for us, you know, we have a responsibility to them as well. Um, uh, and also, I be, I don't know, I believe there it's a, it's I really do believe that it's a service that I, I'm doing, you know, and so I'm kind of detached from my feeling shitty and uninspired <laughs> about it, you know, like I, I can feel uninspired, but I deep down I know that it's gonna pass and there's something greater and I can't just ignore all this abundance and beauty and amazingness that has been gifted to me. You know, I, like I almost know, I'm aware that it's just my, there's like my limitations, you know, and my view is limited. And that's why I'm feeling uninspired and, and I'm just not able to see at this moment and it's okay. Yeah, and know? I think also a lot of the time, it's actually not the feeling bad that's so bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> more that we resist feeling bad. Yes. It's exactly, like you said it beautifully, you know, like feeling feeling down and feeling uninspired is a part of the journey like it's mm-hmm. like the in you can't breathe in without breathing out you know mm-hmm. I've really had to kind of <laughs> accept you know there are times when I feel uninspired and even though as a leader it's kind of hard because people expect you to be a certain way it's actually maybe the best leadership to kind of show the people around you that hey like it's actually okay to be down it's actually okay to feel uninspired mm-hmm. and and actually, it's been so beautiful for me because when I've been at my lowest, it's when the people around me, especially my team, I'm at the Grassy mm-hmm. Hopper and now at Sanya, they come in and they they remind me. They're like, hey, like, there's this vision here that we're all working mm-hmm. towards. Like, don't forget about this. And, and you know, this is why this is happening. And they, they help me to see kind yeah. of why I'm, I'm suffering or, or the wisdom of, of what I'm going through. And I think that's so beautiful as well that you kind of give that space for others to come in and... And hold that fire of mm-hmm. the vision within within a company instead of you at the, as the leader or at the sort of top, you know, mm-hmm. of, of this kind of um, environment that it's always on you to provide the inspiration and, mm-hmm. and kind of just like letting the others step up to that. I think that's been a really beautiful thing for me. Yeah. Personally. I think it, uh-huh, it's super important to surround yourself with people that are like-minded I think it's almost impossible to do this if you don't have those people around you. Um, uh, and for me, it's it's Aaron's family, you know? Like, I look at his dad, and he's constantly doing things on, like, the cutting edge, you know? He's constantly going against the grain. And things happen, like, failures happen, you know? I see it. I see it all the time, but it never it never brings him down, and it's just a, such a huge inspiration. Like, that's my... You know, I just look to him, and I see, like, every day he's doing more you know and yeah. and nothing puts him down you know and maybe you mean no maybe some things do and I don't see it you know mm-hmm. 
but he's constantly doing more. He never stops. He doesn't. And there's a lot of people like that in our community, even at the green school. There's a lot of setbacks. It's difficult doing things differently. Things fail, you know. People speak badly about you when you're trying to do things differently. It's just, you know, I, I see it a lot. It's you try and do something differently. You're doing something good, and people will pick out the one thing that you're doing wrong, <laughs> even though in general you're really trying to do something much better, and you're doing much better than most people. But people look at that and will pick out the thing that you're doing wrong, you know. That happens a lot. But we're lucky because there's a lot of people doing things differently in, in the community at Green School and with the bamboo and the architecture. And um, uh, so we, we do have that support, which is really important. And we wouldn't be able to do that without, without the support. Yeah. Yes. Mar, maybe... Um we'll just kind of wrap up the conversation mm-hmm. with, I'd just like to talk a bit about prayer and meditation because, I mean, meditation now is getting a little bit more popular, um, but it's still something I think that um, has a lot of value to add to our lives, but a mm-hmm. lot of people don't really understand. And also there's a lot of kind of fear and misconception around. Um, you know, me, myself, I've been, I feel like my journey as a meditator and my journey as an entrepreneur and a founder of, you know, uh, a conscious business, mm-hmm. um, they've been so like intertwined. And I think the struggle of starting a business and doing it in a different and more conscious way is so trying and, and testing personally that you get to a point where the only thing that can kind of deepen your faith and, and help you to have the stamina to keep believing in your dream is this connection to something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And personally, I think it's a real foundation of happiness, and that's what's really kept me going. Um, so I don't know, maybe you want to share like your experience of that yeah. connection. Um, I was always very spiritual. I always had this um, this tendency to be to be spiritual. And growing up, it was with the Catholic faith, which is what we grew up with here. Yeah. And I always used to pray at home. I always used to pray on my own, and I and then eventually. I mean, as I grew as I grew older and doing some of my more research and watching documentaries on conspiracy theories, and I started to move away from the religion itself. But I never lost this connection I had with God, you know. And again, it's the elephant in the room that nobody speaks about, but it's such a huge part of of our life. And and it's the same for me. I wouldn't be able to move forward in a struggle if I didn't feel that connection. Um, uh, and for me, I could, I could pray through any religion, you know, I don't feel a connection with one or different religions. I mean, spirituality is different to everybody and meditation as well. Everybody has their own experience with it. So this is purely my experience with it. Um, and I can say a Catholic prayer and feel very connected and I can orange Baha'i and I can say a Baha'i prayer and I love saying Baha'i prayers and I feel the same connection and I can meditate and for me it's just all the same and um, the feeling I get and what I receive back is is the same um, uh, and it's a feeling of devotion it's a feeling of something greater than us um, that's there to guide us you know as a, as a guiding force um, and that's yeah, that's that's my experience of it. I think it's so beautiful because permaculture, you know, is founded on this principle of you know we're a part of a bigger whole and mm-hmm. and kind of seeing that like okay if you even if you do have this farm, you know you're mindful of generally how you're impacting the soil and the air and the wider community. You know the the three P's of permaculture: people, planet, and and profit, fresh air. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Permaculture, in a sense, like really has imbued in it this sense of understanding that we are one yes, as as a sure. as a human community, and unfortunately, you know, in modern society, there's a lot of things that separate yeah. us and divide us, and it's very sad that religion has become one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you obviously find a lot of people in permaculture who have this big connection to nature, and that kind of translates then into a connection emotionally and spiritually. And I think it's really beautiful um, to share that here in Malta because permaculture is still something very new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also spiritually, you know, we're very kind of, um, you know, we're 90, whatever, 8% Catholic. So 
um, kind of having a conversation and taking that conversation about connection to God into like a wider um, spectrum and, and yeah. fostering a kind of understanding that, hey, you know, whichever way you choose to connect to whatever you feel takes you beyond just your ego as this little part, you know, yeah. kind of swimming around in this universe, I think is, is really beautiful. And you must see that a lot on the farm with people from so many different faiths coming together, mm-hmm. but yet they all have this sense of connection to something yeah, bigger. I think, I think that's the most important thing, is just to remember that we're humans and we're the same. We have the same needs, the same desires. And whichever way we choose to explain that and whatever words we want to use at the fa- the foundation and the core of that we're the same you know we all want to be connected with god we can call it nature we can call it spirituality we can call it whatever but there is a desire for connection um uh, and that's a big one in permaculture we talk about the co- connection a lot um and that's that's spirituality you know as well as bringing people together and connecting and not necessarily needing to define that even, you know. Um, and speaking about human values, you know, we can speak about love and suffering and um, uh, and values that make us human, you know, because that's, at the end of the day, that's what's important and not necessarily needing to, to define that. Amazing. Well, I'm just going to ask you, I kind of feeling like I want to ask every person that I bring onto the podcast I mean, we've touched, you know, the answers to the to this question within the podcast. But to you, like, if you could really kind of bring it down, um, what what does living a really nourished and and happy life mean to you? Service, serving something that's bigger than yourself, and taking, you know, whatever challenges you face and whatever you're doing, you know. I think see it, seeing it as a service, to me that's key, you know, because and then it's not about me, it's not about my pleasure, it's not about my pain, it's not, it's about something greater, serving something greater, and that's what, that's what mo- moves me forward. I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't see it as a, as a service. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mara, that's amazing. Thank you. I'm really glad that we kind of went into, we could have talked about so many different things, um, but I'm really happy to bring this topic of permaculture onto the podcast because obviously the, the values of permaculture and the grassy hopper are very, very connected. Mm-hmm. You know, here we work a lot with Peppy and other permaculture farms like Vincent's Eco Farm and, and the Veg Box and, and different people here within the agricultural movement. And, you know, here it's a big challenge as well, you know. I mean, in Bali, you just kind of like spit out a seed of a papaya and there's a papaya <laughs> tree there like a few months later. <laughs> I know you guys have other challenges, (laughs) but, you know, here it's very challenging. You know, last year we had like a massive drought. Mm -hmm. We have really high winds, you know, Pepe's farm in Bahria, it's just like there ready to be like wrecked by the wind. You know, Mm -hmm. whenever the winds hit, there's a lot of um, challenges there. So I'm really, you know, Pepe's going to be one of my next guests on the podcast because he's you know, he's really serving the permaculture mission here in Malta. He's, he's doing amazing things. I'm happy that there's going to be, yeah, definitely. Peppy speaking more about permaculture because we didn't speak a lot about exactly what permaculture is. And it's, yeah. it's very confusing because there are as many definitions of permaculture as there are practitioners of permaculture. And it's different wherever you are and wherever you go. Um, and it's not only about growing food, it's about every part of life, inner life, outer life, it's about water, energy, it's about human relationships, it's about villages and towns and business, it's it's about everything, it's a way of life, so, but more to come on permaculture from Pepe, because we didn't talk much <laughs> yes, about definitely. it. Yes, definitely, actually, I, I, I kind of, you know, knowing that Pepe's going to come on the podcast, yeah. I'll say, you know, we'll, we'll go into more of the, like, kind of technicalities of what permaculture actually is, and how that looks in Malta. Um, I feel like I'm becoming a bit of a Balinese promoter on the podcast <laughs> because like Bali seems to be like a theme and you know, Pepe, me and Pepe actually went to Bali together last year as well so I'm sure it's going to be coming up with him as well so but that's nice also just to talk about like the different challenges that it faces yeah. like there's that founding principles which don't change wherever you go mm-hmm. but then there's obviously the the way it manifests as you said differently yeah. in different landscapes different people and, and the way they do that, same with, with every every business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Thank you so much, Mar. Thank you. I look forward <laughs> to having you back in Malta again soon, celebrating your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. I really hope that you have some food for thought, some healthy food for thought, <laughs> and some inspiration. Um, you know, the, within this podcast, we're always talking about things which are just reflecting on the depth of life. It's sometimes very easy to stay on the surface of you know mm-hmm. um, the easiest stuff, but I the reason why I started this podcast was actually to get people to talk more about the internal challenge because I think that's what really touches us as people. Yeah. Like it's it's great hearing about the theory of how we should you know recycle and how we should be sustainable, but. When you actually hear from people, you know, and their struggles of trying to make this happen within their daily life, mm-hmm. you know, that just, you know, brings me shivers. And I actually, like, lost focus for a moment because I was listening to you speak and I was saying, like, wow, this is so beautiful and inspiring. And I was like, oh, wait, I have to, like, actually, like, listen really carefully. <laughs> so thank you, Mom. Thank very, you very grateful so to have you, have you on the chat. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. See you soon. by Monochrome Keys. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!